Good morning. I'm going to need a couple extra minutes um, as I shift gears. I was going to be teaching on Psalm 139. Just kidding. Um, yeah, it was a great weekend. Hey, we've had a this is a really great week for some of you. You've been able to participate, and others I know um, you weren't able to. Uh, but I want to kind of give you a recap of a of a thing or two that's been going on and how you can still participate. Um, a week ago, last night, uh, we had just a really cool time of worship. A friend of mine, Scott from San Jose, and the worship team that I used to hang out with in San Jose, they came up and led us in worship. And then uh, some of you did a great job of just preparing eight stations based on Psalm 23 for us to walk around and just to marinate on, just to sit at uh, each of those stations uh, going at our own pace. And I've heard so many great stories uh, from you about uh, how meaningful that was. And so one, uh, one thing that we uh, are doing, I think I've got a picture maybe of, uh, um, maybe the next one, I'm not sure. Yeah, that was uh, not the greatest picture, but we have several pictures that are gonna be going on our website. And we wanted to make this available um, for those of you that weren't able to attend last week. So you could still kind of walk through some of those stations and take some time reflecting. And for those of us that did, we thought maybe it'd be a good reminder to walk through those again. So what we're doing uh, beginning today, later on today, um, station number one, which was based on the first verse of Psalm 23, will be released um, on our website. And then we'll have a picture that goes with it and some uh, just some reflections that, that will help in guiding your thoughts. Um, uh, Monday will be the second station. Tuesday will be the third and so on. And so uh, we invite you to walk those again or walk those for the first time as, uh, as we make those, uh, uh, put those on, on our website. And then uh, Advent readings. For those of you that got a bookmark, um, this is, uh, you know, tomorrow I bet there's going to be a lot of people that one common conversation they will have is the 49er Green Bay game. Uh, I, I'm just guessing that enough people will, will see that. You'll go to work. Whether you watch it or not, you're probably going to hear something about it. Um, that would be something that is just kind of a shared experience, especially for those of us in the Bay Area. Well, one thing I like about Advent is it draws us into a common season and even more specifically, it draws us to uh, a common kind of core selection of scripture passages that we can use for a common conversation. And so on the back of this bookmark, you'll see uh, week ending December 1. So throughout this week, there are four scripture passages listed here. And uh, we will, um, on each Sunday, I will be teaching from and we'll be uh, reading several of the other scripture passages here in our service. So during the week, it gives us a chance to begin to kind of warm up and uh, get our minds thinking about what we will be worshiping and uh, reading and studying on Sunday. But it also gives us a common touch point um, when you're talking to somebody and they say, uh, you know, when I was reading in Isaiah 2, um, that I, this thought came to mind. And you're like, yeah, I read that too. What do you think that means? And it just gives us a point for us to just carry on a conversation with, with Scripture and with Jesus right there in the middle of it. And so we will begin um, our Advent season next Sunday. And this will be one of the, one of the ways that we will do it. Um, you'll see the uh, preparing for 
uh, prepare the way advent that'll be one of the banners on our website if you click on that um, all of these scripture references are there and then you click on the reference and it will actually take you right to that passage to make it a little bit more convenient so that's some ways that um, that we can can journey together and I'm uh, I love that part that uh, it's just another way that we emphasize that we um, are in a relationship together but also these scripture passages are the same passages that people all around the world are going to be reading. And so we are engaging in a really big conversation in that way. So um, I want to uh, start off by talking about uh, a, a book that if you're looking for books that you can just kind of sit down and read in one sitting, um, I recommend Dr. Seuss. Uh, he is, uh, he's got some good stuff out there. Um, you just impress your friends. Yeah, I read this book by a doctor the other day, read it all in one day. Um, yeah. Um, one of his books is called The Lorax. And uh, if you didn't read the book, maybe you saw the movie, uh, maybe you're familiar with it. Um, there were uh, some main characters that are mentioned in the book that you kind of came to life in that movie. Um, the Onceler is the guy that at the, at, um, at one point, at least in the, in the movie, is it in the book? Yeah, um, kind of that creepy guy in the old broken down building that is uh, carrying on a conversation with Ted, who is this younger guy. Ted is this um, younger kid. He's driven by curiosity and love, and he has this hope of renewing what once was but is no longer. And that is that all of the trees in his city had been removed. And so he had this, this picture of, of what could still be for his city. Um, the Onceler was someone that um, was in that area at one point as a younger, um, uh, eager entrepreneur. And the reason he's called the Onceler is because he was mowing down these trees and using them once and then discarding them. It was not being uh, environmentally friendly, obviously, is what Dr. Seuss is talking about there. And, um, and so the Onceler is making, uh, he's cutting down the truffle trees and he's making thneeds. And if you're looking for some holiday gifts, go for a thneed. Um, but it's something that he made from um, a tree, would chop it down, throw it away. And then the Lorax is the keeper of the forest. And he uh, said that he speaks for the trees. Uh, his voice in the Lorax was Danny DeVito. And uh, the character was the same height um, as Danny DeVito, <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, but he was the one uh, that was standing up on behalf of the trees, but the Onceler did not do that. So there's a, there's a couple of lines that, that stood out to me in that. And I want to um, kind of tell you how I wrestled with that, not just in a Dr. Seuss level, but, um, but on a personal level. Uh, the Onceler is telling Ted the story of the Lorax and how he himself, the Onceler, failed to heed the advice of the Lorax. And so in an attempt to redeem himself, it's like he's, he's encouraging Ted not to make the same mistakes that he did. And uh, I'll pick it up here. It says, and all that the Lorax left here in this mess was a pile of rocks with one word, unless. Whatever that meant, well, I, couldn't, I just couldn't guess. That was long, long ago. But each day since that day, I've sat here and worried and worried away. Through the years, while my buildings have fallen apart, I've worried about it with all of my heart. But now, says the Onceler, now that you're here, the word of the Lorax seems perfectly clear. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, 
nothing is going to get better. It's not. So what he's talking about there, he's implying that if things aren't improving, it could be that you just don't care enough. You need to put yourself out there and care more. And I think that um, care and concern for making things better is vital. I think what that I think that is very true. But I want to say that it's incomplete. And there's a verse that has um, just tied in with this for me over the years that I've I've leaned into in so many ways. And it's Psalm 127. It says, "Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain." Unless the Lord watches watch over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In vain you arise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now I'm curious, and I want to just give you a chance to, to talk among yourselves. Um, how does the Lorax's comment strike you? Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. Maybe that's inspiring. Maybe that's discouraging. Maybe you're just wondering why we are actually going to talk about a children's book um, with your with your adult friends. But what? Um, just turn to some people around you, and how does that passage strike you? What what thoughts come to mind? And then I'm going to ask for a couple of uh, examples and some feedback. All right. Here we go. I know that in this room, there are many, many people, all of us probably, that really care about where we live. Uh, We care about it on several levels. Um, Yes, it could be um, from an environmental level. Um, It could be you really care about the people in your neighborhood, uh, the people that you work alongside, um, those people that you see on a regular basis. Uh, You hear their stories and you feel their hurts and you really care about them. Um, so what are, your, what are your thoughts? Just raise your hand, say something. When you, when you hear this phrase, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, let's say Marin is never going to get better. It's not. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yes? We were talking about here, and that is a, it's a great passage, Dr. Zeus, but it's, if it's not done Yeah. Thank you, Kate. That's great. Yeah. They almost seem opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, I'd say there, there has to be, um, that's why I would say it's, it, you know, there's some truth in it, but it would be incomplete. I, I think there is something that can only be done when God is present and when God is doing a work in that midst, in the midst of us. Um, I, I, I like, Kate, that you talked about 
um, it, it could be a lot of ego. I mean, it's, it's kind of a proud thing to say, you know, nothing's going to get better until I care a lot. It's like I can make that much of a difference. It, it's clearly kind of a self-centered thought, and maybe we're thinking a little bit too much of ourselves. Um, one of the things that is, has um, always interested me, intrigued me, is that um, God would choose to use us to carry out his good work. I think he could probably just do it himself and it would come out better. <laughs> but it, he chooses to use fallible people like me. Um, even though I've told him many a time, you know, there's probably somebody else better suited for this. Um, when we read the Bible, I don't see these people that are just like on this super high pedestal. I see just regular people that really stumbled and struggled, but God used them in amazing ways. And God placed them um, in certain times in history. He placed them in certain cities and um, among a certain nation. And, um, and we see how God was the one that really blessed that work. Um, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Psalm 127 was written by Solomon. Now, a little bit about Solomon. He uh, was a king that was known for his great wisdom, like wisdom beyond all that uh, existed in that day. Uh, he was also known for great wealth, and with that wealth came tremendous power. So I want you to kind of think through, um, here is this guy that is incredibly smart and has all the power that he needs right there at his fingertips. And he's saying, if I used all of that to build something, it still could be in vain if God's hands aren't involved in it. So it kind of it, it emphasizes all that much more how we have an opportunity to participate uh, in God's work and what he wants to do in this world. Um, this psalm, Psalm 127, is included among several psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And so these were psalms that were sung or at least recited by families as they would be making their way back to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, hence the word Psalms of Ascent, uh, for key festivals and, and key times of the year. And, and so it is with great anticipation that they are going back to their beloved city. They love Jerusalem and they know that Jerusalem is this great city because of God's favor shown on them and this city that they're walking back to. Um, so there's a couple of ways to uh, to read into and interpret this passage. Unless the Lord builds this house, those who build it labor in vain, uh, this house can refer to a household. So Solomon is referring to not just a building, like a physical house, uh, but he's also talking about building and perpetuating a family line. Uh, unless God is involved in this, what we do, uh, all the labor that we do is in vain. Now the truths of this psalm could also apply to the church. And again, not talking about a physical house of God where we gather, uh, but more the household of faith. Those of us who have humbled ourselves and said, God, we need you in our life. We want to do life the Jesus way. Thank you for the ways that Jesus has made a life possible for us. Um, we enter into that household of faith and we recognize that he is able to do a work and to build that household of faith, um, perpetuate a family of faith throughout Moran and beyond. Um, 
for uh, a couple other points within this. It talks about sleep mentioned in uh, the second verse, that there is a, a deep rest. And the reason that we can rest is because we realize that it is the Lord that is able to bring this about. If we took, um, unless we care a whole awful lot, things are not going to get better. They're not. It would be hard to rest with that. You're probably constantly, am I caring enough? Am I doing enough? Do I need to do a little bit more? Um, where with this, we're able to partner with the God who created work and rest. The God who we can trust is at work even when we sleep. God can continue to do a work. Even when we Sabbath, even when we pull back, we can trust that, um, that there is a, a God that we can depend on to do that work. And so, uh, unless we trust in the Lord to do what only He is capable of doing, our work and our efforts are, are ultimately done in vain. Um, as I said just a moment ago, um, I believe we care a whole awful lot for Marin. One of the things people have asked me in my three plus months of being here, so what have you noticed about Marin? Um, and obviously there's the beauty, but one thing I've noticed about the people of Marin, I don't know that I've met more people that love where they live more than people of Marin. Um, I've lived in a lot of places where people couldn't wait to get out of where they lived. They didn't like the traffic. They didn't like the weather. They didn't like um, the economy. They didn't, but here people are, there is just a very high percentage of people that are like, this is heaven on earth. I can't imagine a place I would rather be. Um, and not that we don't see its imperfections or, you know, we wish, boy, I, you know, I would love for an Alabama cost of living here <laughs> in the midst of this. But there is something about it that, that we do love. And with that love comes great care. Um, I have noticed that there are, there is a great care that people have for this area. Um, this Marin is cleaner than where I lived in San Jose. I think there is a, that's pretty high on people's radar. Um, and I hope within our church family that there is a deep sense of care, that we know each other's stories. We know what's going on. Uh, we understand, okay, this has, been a, this has been a rough season for you. And we're just going to circle around you right now. Um, we're not a bunch of fix-it people. Uh, we are still trying to figure out how to fix ourselves. So there's a really good possibility that we don't know how to fix you, but we want to walk with you. We want to listen um, as you share some of your deep heartaches and, and, and walk with you in so many ways. But we recognize that um, there is a, there's a great call that God gives us. And we, we humbly recognize that unless the Lord blesses this work that he has called us to in Marin, we labor in vain. We can dream up what we want to do to reach neighborhoods and to share this new way of life with our coworkers. But there is something about resting and being still and allowing God to put his hand on our life that makes all the difference. Now, back to the story of the Lorax. Um, he goes on to say, so catch calls the onceler and he lets something fall. And this is going in the direction of Ted. It's a truffle seed. It's the last one of all. You're in charge of the last of the truffle seeds and truffle trees are what everyone needs. Plant a new truffle, treat it with care, give it clean water and feed it fresh air. Grow a forest, protect it from axes that hack. Then the Lorax and all his friends may come back. And so in this, um, 
I just want to ask you, what is the seed that God has given you? What is the unique seed that he has placed in you that's a combination of a gift that he has breathed into you, that's a combination of, that includes um, your life experiences, your skills, your education, your season of life that you're in? What is that unique seed that you have and how can you plant yourself with that seed in a place that it will do the most good for the people around you? We are in different seasons. We each have very different gifts. We have different backgrounds. Um, we have different skills. Uh, sometimes I hear about the things that you guys do during the week and I just, I marvel at the abilities that you have in your particular fields. It just floors me. And I find myself a little bit jealous. Sometimes, do you ever, like with anybody on our worship team or with Jane, as she's up there, do you just kind of find yourself going, well, I wish I had that seed. You know, that'd be, that should be a nice one to have. Well, as we, as we look within it, we realize God has given each and every one of us an opportunity to plant ourselves in a way that we can make a unique difference in Marin and beyond. So what is that seed? And lest we get, um, lest we get um, puffed up and, and, and proud about the, whatever gift that might be, that seed is, I like Paul's very humble words in 1 Corinthians 3. He talks about the seed of the gospel. And there were people that were saying, um, I'm following Paul. And then others were saying, well, no, my favorite guy is this, uh, is this Apollos. And he's saying, man, it, it doesn't matter. We all play our part. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God is the reason that we can rest. We do our part. Yes, we care. But then we trust that God is going to be the one that makes it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who, who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So what is, is it, what is it like? How do we position ourselves for that to happen? And I, I think one thing um, that it shouldn't surprise you uh, to hear that we would like for our church to grow. We would love for Bay Marin to grow. And, and we mean that in a variety of ways. We would love to grow because we believe that there are more people um, to be reached. There are people around us, very near to us, that are right now in their homes, maybe really lonely, that we believe they need a relationship with people who can point the way to Jesus. We want to grow. Numerically, we want to grow individually, stronger, we want to grow in our knowledge of ourselves and in our knowledge of God. We want to grow in a variety of ways. We want to build this household of faith. We, our goal is not to get a big church. Um, our goal is to just continue to reach the people that God has called us to reach and also to realize that there is a big C church that's meeting right, right now. And we want the big C church to grow. There are other churches among us that we can celebrate when they are growing. I mentioned last week that uh, Tommy Christie is the new pastor of, uh, of a campus now of Hillside. It's Hillside Lucas Valley. Last Sunday was their first Sunday and we prayed for Tommy and the work that God's going to be doing there in that community. I talked to Tommy this last week and he said they had a packed house. And we celebrate that. God is growing his church. Um, 
I got to meet through just the way some of us as pastors will get together for lunch. Uh, I got to meet Chris Martin. He pastors the Episcopal Church, uh, an Episcopal Church in San Rafael. And as I hear that God is adding to his fellowship, as I hear that God is strengthening him and the people in there, we celebrate that growth. Um, I was talking to Mike Riley. Uh, he is, was the longtime lead pastor at Open Door Church. And recently his son has become the pastor of Open Door. And what he was telling me was he's really excited. He's, he's kind of stayed on staff, Mike has. But with his son's leadership, they are reaching a new generation, a younger generation than they've never reached before. We celebrate that. That is great to hear. Um, there's a church in Novato, a Methodist church, that probably has maybe a half as many people in attendance on a Sunday. Um, but we celebrate, they have over 200 people that meet throughout the week in their building for AA and other opportunities where they can encourage each other and they point people to Christ. We celebrate what God is doing here. I am hearing of some things, um, Kevin and some others were sharing of, of some things that God is doing in the city that San Francisco isn't all just this dark place <laughs> that the rest of the nation thinks about. There is actually a very good and God work that's being done there. And we celebrate that. Um, and we see that unless God builds that household of faith, the work we do is in vain. God plays a key role in it. Um, I brought a... Uh, a baseball bat with me uh, today. Some of that is, as I've noticed, uh, you get a little tired and uh, maybe we can keep people awake. Um, Wes and I were talking. Um, no, so uh, in the, I grew up in St. Louis, for those of you that, uh, that didn't know that. So I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan. If you're a Giants fan, I'm sorry, but I'm, uh, I am about to tell you a story about a time when the Cardinals beat the Dodgers. So hopefully you'll at least um, rejoice in that. So I was in, I was in high school and my dad was given three tickets to a National League championship game. Uh, the Cardinals were playing the Dodgers and uh, this was uh, for a chance to go to the World Series. And so my dad and my brother and I have these sweet seats at Bush Stadium for, this, uh, for the Cardinal game. And uh, one of the players uh, that we had back then was Ozzie Smith. You ever heard of Ozzie Smith? He's the Wizard of Oz. This is an incredible shortstop and um, definitely a, a fan favorite. So it goes into uh, the bottom of the 10th. I think it was an extra inning game tied. And Ozzie Smith steps up to the plate and hits a home run. And the place goes Berserk. I mean, just crazy. I've never been hugged by so many drunk men in my entire life. Um, and so, uh, so he's rounding the bases, and uh, there was a, a real famous radio call by Jack Buck where he just says, go crazy, folks, go crazy. And that's exactly what was, what was going on. Um, what I have here is a bat that Ozzie Smith used in a game at Bush Stadium. Now, this isn't the bat that he used for that, but it is, uh, it's one that uh, some friends of mine are really good friends with Ozzie Smith, and I asked if I could borrow a bat a few years ago, and then I never gave it back. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I love this bat. It is still, um, on a real humid day, when it's warm, you can still feel the pine tar on the bat. 
And just as a kid that grew up in St. Louis, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've just kind of closed my eyes and pictured myself at home plate. And, you know, if I got a really fat pitch, I wonder if I really leaned into it, you know, could I put one over the right field wall like Ozzy did? And the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced, no way, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Just all that goes into it with the timing and bat speed and eye-hand coordination, all of that stuff, there's no way I could do it. So this is a really cool bat, but, but what, what really gives this bat, what makes it special, what makes it powerful, are the hands that are on it. With my hands on it, I don't know. But you put this in the right hands and some amazing things could happen with this bat. And I wish I could just one by one, if it wasn't awkward, I would go to each one of you, look you in the eye and say, you are not an ordinary bat <laughs> when God has his hand on your life. What could happen if God put his hand on your head and anointed you for a good work? What if you went throughout the week realizing God's got his hand on your shoulder, he is with you. And he's saying, you are here in this particular time, in this particular place for a reason. And that's because with me, your labor is not gonna be in vain. There's a work to do here. My hand on your life, we're in this together. Again, what is the seed that he's placed in you? What's that unique way that he wants to reach this community and open up people's eyes to the fact that there is a new and better way of living? And what if you began your day just asking God to lay his hand on your life? If you just kind of began your day on your knees just saying, God, I, I need you. Thank you for what you've gifted me to do. Thank you for the ways that you um, have been at work. But can we admit we need God's hand on our life for this? I want to, uh, to ask you to, uh, to bow your head. and I'm going to kind of describe this communion uh, experience that we're about to have. Um, God took a very, Jesus took a very common loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he held up a very ordinary cup and he said, this represents my blood shed for you. And it's a reminder that God does extraordinary things through ordinary elements. What are the extraordinary things that he can do through ordinary us in this church, in the churches of Marin. You'll have an opportunity in just a moment to come up. In fact, uh, those that are going to be serving the elements, would you mind making your way up at this time? Um, we celebrate what we uh, refer to as an open table. You don't have to be uh, a regular attender or member of Bay Marin. But if you are a part of this big family of God, we invite you to this table. Uh, we invite you to take the bread and to dip it into the cup, into the juice, and taste and see that the Lord is good. We remember what it is 
and the sacrifice that he made for us. So let me pray for us at this time. And uh, when you are ready, um, you can begin uh, just forming a, a, an aisle and, and coming down. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. You, um, you gave yourself for us. You set an example for us. Thank you for caring for us a whole awful lot. Lord, I, um, I pray that it is with a very humble dependence upon you that as we receive these elements that we are reminded that it is by your grace that we are saved. It is by your grace that you choose to lay your hands on our lives to use us for such a sacred and holy work as yours. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.